Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls. Have you been wondering where we've been, what we've been doing, why there aren't more episodes here on your app? Well, that's probably because you're not a patron. This summer, we've been uh, just posting Troll Talks, our other podcast, for our patrons at patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls because we were taking a, a break. We were uh, touring a lot and moving and doing a ton of stuff. And so we did these unedited conversations that we posted uh, kind of weekly over uh, for our patrons. And it's been super fun. And if you've missed any of those and you want to uh, kind of catch up, feel free to go to patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. If you pledge just $1 a month or five bucks, whatever price of a cup of coffee, that's what they always say. Uh, you can get access to all of our bonus content there. Uh, we're still planning what we're going to do for the real podcast. We're still uh, thinking about it. But as we're thinking about it and planning, we wanted to release this Troll Talk, Troll Talk 16, uh, to you guys, to everyone, uh, to kind of get a, a, an inside look at, at what we've been up to and the format of a Troll Talk. So here it is. Enjoy. Welcome to Troll Talk 16. Nathan. Yeah. What what are we talking about? I don't know, man. We've talked about just about everything. I think we I think we've covered it all. <laughs> I'm feeling good. How are you feeling, man? I'm doing better, I think. You know, finally settling in. Kids went to school today. Um, so the house is a bit more quiet and I just decided to read um Stephen King's novel The Dark Tower. Again? This is a new, this is a new novel. I read uh Oh Under the Dome and I read Cujo and I'm just on a Stephen King kick, trying to get the the fiction to slow me down, to stop you, and smell the roses, as it were. Have you read the Harry Potter novels yet? I haven't. I'm kind of waiting on um, my kids being old enough to experience That's kinda that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so I can read it with them. You can always read it again, because it's, I've heard it's terrible, so you don't want to read it twice. That's what everyone says. I saw everyone like the other day... Um, was the anniversary of when Harry Potter was in like um was it London Station? I don't know. Where where is it at? Where they uh I can't remember. I'm totally butchering this. No, Great. it's fine. He but was like somewhere. A whole, a whole herd of people like went to the train station and like were like holding wands in the air and like <laughs> counting down the time. I was like <laughs> what a crazy movement where it's real friendship. A, yeah, that's like she's got like the most hardcore fan base of all time. Well, uh, one of the values of of that series and the values of her work in general is that um, one of the things Jordan Peterson says, a guy who I listen to and I've mentioned a few times, um, I don't listen to everything he says, but some of the things are really cool. Uh, clinical psychologist who talks about archetypes of meaning, and he says that uh, J.K. Rowling gets all of the. Um, all of the ancient archetypes of a great story correct. And that's why uh, people are in love with it. Because, um, you know, the stories that have that have pa- been passed down for thousands of years, those are the things that we watch. Those are the things that we, the Homer's Odyssey, the um, we see those stories, we go to the movie theaters and we watch them, and it's the same story over and over and over. Whether it's the hero's journey, or it's a story of, um, you know, injustice being overcome, or... Um, you know, mm-hmm. all these, all these stories are, are ancient stories and they just have new characters and new faces, but the themes that, um, of the Harry Potter series are, 
are so much in line with these ancient archetypes and myths uh, as far as like the transformation and the hero's journey and going through and facing yeah, evil I, I, and chaos and darkness and overcoming I it. An, I talked to an author about this and he said there's really only like 60 something stories and people just kind of retell them. There's really not. Right. There's or, really not as many stories as we think there are. But right. But the thing about the Harry Potter story is funny is because you were telling me about your kids going to school and and. What I think it is is that they go to King's Cross Station in London, oh, yeah. and on September 1st at 11 o'clock is when the train leaves for Hogwarts. Okay, okay. So that's what I think they were all doing, but I don't know. I didn't look into it <laughs> enough. I just saw like a whole herd of people at the train station all counting down. I thought, damn, you know. That's but, awesome. You know what? It, it got yeah. me thinking about this thing. Oh, hold on. i got to decline this. i got to FaceTime from Skip, drummer Skip. Um... You got to skip that one. I got to skip it. We, uh, <laughs> well, I was thinking of dad um, jokes. You've seen those like the masks, right? Comedy and tragedy, the smiling mask and the, and the sad mask. And that, that is essentially the universal symbol of theater. And that's kind of, I think that's born out of, um, True. kind of a Shakespearean understanding that there are two kinds of stories. One is a comedy and one is a tragedy. And, um, and you'll you'll watch movies and you'll see this uh, comedies end in weddings. They just always end in a wedding, and tragedies yeah. end in a funeral. They just always end in a funeral. And and so like there is these. And the funny thing is like we we all watch these movies and we're like that's a good movie, that's a bad movie or whatever. But we watch them and we eat them up and they're all essentially the same movie with just different characters and maybe different idiosyncrasies. But the archetype or the structure of the myth is ancient and we humans just can't get enough of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I went to the, I, I don't, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the, the Odeon of Herodes. Oh, Her- Odeon of, Odeon Her- of Herodias. No, of Herodias. Is it really Herodias? It? it was in Athens when I, I went there and it's on top of, um, Man, I'm just my brain is not working today. I can't no, remember anything. Fine. Don't don't worry um, about the names. Like I said, I mean, the, the names are just idiosyncratic. Just get this to the structure. <laughs> well, this is like this is like Christianity, which is where Paul gave his famous speech or whatever on top uh, right. of the hill in Greece. Right. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the uh, the Parthenons up there, or whatever. Right. right. And we went there, and I remember sitting there in the theater, just going, "Man, it's kind of crazy that like this place used to be packed out." You know, a couple thousand years ago, and people were just. It was the, mo- the it was the movie yeah. theater. It yeah, was where like, they could watch the drama of human existence unfold in in uh, I guess a, a microcosm. You know, but the acoust- the acoustics were great. Like you could hear everything, and uh, I just went down and walked on the stage a little bit, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of crazy and. You know, when you, because you just don't see stuff that's that old in America. And yeah. And when, well, you, when you travel a lot, you, you get this, like, almost it's just like you're, you're standing somewhere where thousands and thousands of people stood and sort of poured their heart and soul out on stage. Right. And, uh, well, that's the birth you, you of, know. that's, that's the birthplace of Western thought. I mean, speaking of, you know, ancient archetypes, everything we think, is predicated on what uh, essentially Plato 
discovered about philosophy, like the way that we process information, the way that we reason, the way that we use logic. This is all modern, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. Western Mm -hmm. thought's been based on this. So like we've been brought up in, um, I'm reading this weird hippie book that I found on the shelf here in, in Nova Scotia. I don't know which of my grandparents bought it, but it's, it's about this, um, this lady's, uh, experience with gestalt therapy in 1969 at like this therapy commune thing. I don't know. It's, it's written really creatively and interesting and I'm just Hmm. reading, but she spent a lot of time with what they called back then American Indians and uh on the reservation and this is you know back in the she she was spending time with them in the 50s and 60s back before they were totally culturally kind of wiped out as far as their way of thinking and and their way of being in the world and kind of converted into this western mindset of of uh, materialism and rationalism and she was saying like just the way that they saw things the way that they described things um without explanation like she she said that the an indian is to use her terms would never say it is raining because in their language it just means rain it's just rain and then and then she was kind of thinking about that it's like what is this it is raining what is it (laughs) you know like why do we have all this extra baggage um and uh and you think it stems from sort of like a western movement of we have to kind of define things in black and white and specifically right this well we don't even know perfect narrative we don't even know that these archetypes are embedded in us um you know we we just think oh this makes sense like oh it just makes sense that progress equals um you know physical accomplishment you know like that's what we call progress or that's what we call a success success equals more. And that's just like the whole, it's this linear rationalism and all that thinking is just embedded in our psyche. And we don't even know that we're beholden to it. We don't even know we're not even aware. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I was on the bad Christian podcast a couple days ago and uh, mostly we talked about Joel Osteen, but they they brought me on to talk about like Bigfoot and conspiracy theories and stuff, which I'm like no expert in at all. Right, but you I, really, I, but you're our expert. <laughs> but I'm your expert. Now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just interested in it. Yeah. So it's it's. I, I have know, to listen to that. I haven't listened to it. How did it go? Uh, it went all right, you know. But I, they didn't really let me kind of get into it because one of my main things was I was gonna kind of launch into this idea of like. Toby and mostly Matt, very skeptical. Right. And I said, first off, let me just say something. Technically, you're called a believer. <laughs> so if if, to, if they call themselves Christian at all, yes, they would have to yeah. be believing in something that they don't necessarily have proof for. So I was I was gonna go into this rant and say, and this is what this is these are some points that I was gonna say, and it's good to say it here because I didn't feel like I kind of got it all out because it because Toby went on this rant about Joe Lostein for like 30 minutes. So <laughs> sounds about right. So I was going to say, okay, let me just throw this out there. You believe that an entity got bored, created a billions of light years of stuff, then created a cared enough to create a planet full of people who gave two shits about him. And or her, then or her. Or her. Sent, <laughs> 
Well, sent his or son. They, or they. Or they. <laughs> sent, sent his son down to die. Who? And then, guess what? They didn't care about him. Again, killed him. Um, and then he rose from the dead and traveled back in, through the sky. But an animal in the woods is crazy. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Like, But because that is part of this sort of westernized thought for the last 2,000 years, we've, we've sort of transitioned into... Well, everyone believes this, right? So we don't have to actually look at the mystical part of what we actually believe, right? Which is which is kind of crazy, and then, and and then I said the gospel. I wanted to say the gospel starts off with a conspiracy, right? Right. Right. Did the did the disciples steal the body, or did this man actually ascend into heaven? And I was texting Dan Koch about this, and he's like, no, that's bullshit. That's just a miracle. I said, no, no, no. This is, your, this is the conspiracy theory of the day. The government and the religious elite wanted to make a narrative, and they said, yeah, the disciples stole the body. And the, non, the people that were not in political or religious power saw him ascend, and there was just a few eyewitnesses, like a couple of hunters who see an animal in the woods, some eyewitnesses, and they right. go up against they go up against the the structural narrative, and they're shot down, right? Right. Well, I would. I mean, as much as I am uh, skeptical, I guess, well, just cautious to compare uh, Jesus and Bigfoot. <laughs> I am. I am sympathetic of the fact that I'm not. I'm not comparing. No, them. I'm I just know. saying they're both I, conspiracies. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, but I'm sympathetic. I would say this. I'm sympathetic of the fact that people who do believe in these things are often faced with contempt by other people, and I probably have um, participated in that at times. But yeah, I think you like just being in relationship with you. I've had to talk and level my points, and I don't just get to be dismissive and contemptuous about it. And roll my eyes. I have to actually engage, which I think is helpful. But I, I, I would also say it's hypocritical of Christians to roll their eyes at Bigfoot um, in the same way that you say. But also because it is the same contempt that atheists have towards people of faith. Totally, often, totally, not not totally. not like not and like the really as well. Not the reasonable atheists, but you know the ones, the militant sort of just. Once they believe that, once they find out in their in their hearts that there isn't a god in the sky that behaves a certain way, the I, the whole concept becomes just laughable to them. And if given over to their, I don't know, the worst parts of their humanity, they can just be demeaning and belittling and contemptuous and not totally um, and sort of be divisive. And so, I would say for Christians uh, or people who believe in um, the unseen world. Uh, then they should probably have a little but, bit more grace for for something they can't see. <laughs> but the thing is, is weird is that like I don't, I'm not even comparing Jesus and Bigfoot. Really, I'm not. I don't think the two things go in the same sense. I'm just saying that if you were, say, you were just an ancient person and you happened to be out of town that weekend when Jesus was crucified, and you come back into town. And you kind of know a little bit what's going on. Everyone says, dude, they killed him. And then some guy goes, what? Like, yeah. Like, it was crazy, man. You should have been in the t- in the town square. They went crazy. They tried to let this crook off. And then everyone was, like, yelling. And then this, like, crazy storm happened. And then it got dark. And nobody knew what was going on. You know, two dudes just talking like you and I talk, right? Right. 
And then the guy would go, well, the rumor is, and then this is like a couple of days later, like, oh, the rumor is that they, they came and stole the body. And he's like, well, I heard, I heard he came back to life and it was like a ghost and he presented himself to people. And they're like, no, that's crazy, man. You, you're, you're out of your mind. Right. G- ghosts walking around. So I tried to I just try to get Dan to admit this would have been a conspiracy. And right. he couldn't he couldn't even admit that that's how it goes. Why else would it say in the Bible verse that the government created this narrative or the religious right. elite? Because human beings have always been skeptical of everything that's worth believing. Right. So, uh, right. I so. think I think there was merited skepticism about um about that. I would say that the circumstances that followed kind of lent at least in the way that we're um that we can yeah, but read like about three them, or four hundred years later well no right? well, well i'm just talking about the apostles the people who traveled with jesus who were the disciples who became the apostles and essentially they went out and planted these communities that were underground that were all predicated on the fact that that uh Jesus was alive in oh, yeah, some sense, I mean, and then I'm also, saying, yeah. and then also risking their lives to live in a certain way that followed Jesus's teachings. And I would say that that was that was the heart of how it spread. Not necessarily, it didn't just spread on the fact that like uh, Jesus lit- literally resurrected. They might have put that together in 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 the future, and maybe the maybe the apostles did see jesus in some way and of course some of them did as as the story goes but i would say the way that they live their life was so transformative of their communities and of the people and so subversive of the authority of roman rule that that was the thing that drew people into potentially believing in the unbelievable sure but what i'm saying is like there is no physical evidence scientifically proven through you know peer studied reviews that Jesus resurrected from the dead. No, no, no. That's a leap of faith, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so there the same things happen. Someone sees a, a, an animal in the woods that doesn't exist and then they devote their lives <laughs> to trying to figure it out. Right, right. Right. So you could you could apply the same thing. So like, well, but I think it's because it's become socially acceptable to believe in this thing, then it's transcended sort of the mystery and it's become more commonplace. Right. And Dan said, we have language for that. It's called miracles. And I was like, dude, Mm. it's weird to me that, that, you know, we can't call it what it is to me. It would, it would have been a conspiracy. It would have been. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's books called, you know, the the divine conspiracy, et cetera, et cetera. So, (laughs) right. Right. Um, but that was more about God conspiring to, uh, subvert the power structures of humanity, and I mean, uh, you could uh, you could come at it from any different systematic sure. the- theological viewpoint, but in my in my view, it was to subvert the idea that uh, violence, the the myth, subvert the myth of retributive uh, justice or or violence. So the idea that God demanded blood sacrifice, essentially. For for the Orthodox Christians, the early ones, um, that idea died with God being the final blood sacrifice and and proving that human humanity's own violent streak was not divine in nature because when divinity came into humanity, they killed divinity as well. So, 
I don't know if that's me rambling, but no, that's no, just I mean, what, I, what I've always thought of. I think as I get older, I realize that, and I think that people have a hard time reading that into it, is that human nature is to sort of kill each other off. And that's kind of why, like, um, I think there's just a lot of a lot more mystery in the world than we realize because we do have sort of a preset understanding of how we live our lives and what we think and how we think. And um, it's really hard, really hard to kind of let yourself sift through the 95% of bullshit and go, oh, but 5% of this right. is really, really good. Sure. And, you know, it's like, Dan just goes, well, just listen to Science Mike. You know, he had a podcast about conspiracies. Sure. And it's almost like, <laughs> and I wanted to, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm like basically verbally processing my argument with Dan. I wanted to, I wanted to text him back and say, Dan, listen to this. You're not actually listening to the CIA guys. You're not actually listening to ex-military. You're talking about a guy who's talking about the psychology of believing in a thing. Right. That would be like me saying, you got to listen to this Bill Maher podcast. He talks about religion and how religion starts all these terrible <laughs> things in the world, right? And he makes all these amazing points about how stupid it is to be religious. Dude, right. you got to listen to Bill Maher. That's the same thing to me. I'm like, no, no, no. You would say that's bullshit. You, you would want to talk go. to the people who've had religious experiences and then exactly. judge for yourself whether or not those are valid. Yeah. Yeah. You would want to go listen to the actual dudes. And that's what Matt didn't do on the podcast. He's like, he's like, what do you mean there's all these guys talking about? I'm like, you can go look at the information yeah. of X, X. And secret- I, not yeah. being a believer, find their stories fascinating and compelling. And so like, I, you know, that's the thing is like, once you hear these stories, you go, wow, that seems to be something to that. Now, I, I could try to just explain it away, but if they were in front of me, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to denigrate their uh, their experience. Just like if someone were telling me of a deep experience, a spiritual experience that sort of, you know, rocked their world, I wouldn't want to say, well, that's just hokey. Your mind's playing tricks on you. Like, that's not a, a, that's not a gracious response, which I, I think, I mean, when it comes to, to any of this stuff, it does, but I have been, I mean, honestly, I have been very angered sometimes by conspiracy theories because of how many, and this is just my rational mind working, how many leaps, sure. how many jumps they make. So there's something good there, right? There's some sort of nugget of, wow, that's a lead. That's a lead on something. But instead of jumping through the, the proper hoops to get to the source, they just bypass so much stuff. And that frustrates me because I'm like, I'm someone who really wants to believe. I'm someone who really wants to know, but I want to, I want to know in a way that's like believable. I don't want to make the leap. Um, you know, it, 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 I'll make a leap with spiritual things perhaps, but not if we're talking about the physical realm. Um, you know, like we didn't know woolly mammoths existed until we found bones in 1624 or whatever, you know? And so there, there might've been myths of, uh, you know, the, the natives slaying these giant elephants in, in the Americas. And we would have all said, well, those are brilliant myths, um, but they're not true scientifically. And, you know, until we find the bones, we can't really make those scientific assumptions. We can't just, we can't just leap to let's classify this and put this in an encyclopedia. Okay. I get it. 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 But. But, but what I'm saying is the same thing happens in the mind where someone's, some academic guy goes, you can't actually physically prove that Jesus Christ existed to me. Sure. So 
all the things that kind of surround it, I'm just going to throw it out the window because it's all hogwash and hocus pocus to me because there's it's not in the realm of science. And you're like, well, listen, bro. Yeah. Like people saw the guy. And, right. You know well, what I mean? well, here's and, the thing. And was, I, I think and I think this is just my opinion. But you I hear think my kid yelling, crying, by the way. No, okay, not really. Good. <laughs> I think there there are two kinds of knowing, or or more than more than one kind of knowing, and this goes back to the archetypal um, way that we process with Western thought, with rooted in Greco Roman philosophy. Like we think we've done away with the ancient way of knowing because the ancient way of knowing is sort of archaic and meaningless. And so thus all the religions don't speak to any real truth. They're just made up uh, fantasies of, of ancient people, which I think is, is arrogant in a way because, you know, as many scholars point out, these myths, these myths that we go to the movie theater and watch today were written down as mythology and as religion. And these themes were part of humanity understanding what is the best way to live and ancient humans knew that as well as we did and maybe even more so because all they had were these stories they didn't have the the cluttering of all this other stuff and and yes it <laughs> a lot of it was barbaric but ancient people were barbaric and so just to save the baby from the bathwater so to speak there is another way of knowing and it's a sort of more intuitive um like barry stevens in this book i'm reading talks about the um, American Indians, uh, the, there's an, an intuitive way of knowing and being in the world that is, that is not predicated on Western thought, that has been here far longer, and that we sometimes totally. undermine completely in favor of how much evidence there is for, for rationalism and materialism and empiricism. And, and yeah. those things, clearly, you look out your window and you see skyscrapers and bridges and airplanes and you go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But there's more layers. There's more ways of knowing. Now, this is where yeah. I this is where I basically have a problem with some conspiracy <laughs> cons, conspirators. Oh, hang on. I gotta turn that off. That's the government. Yeah, they knew I'm talking about them. OK. Um, yeah. So this is where I have a problem with conspiracy theories. People seem to cling to them with a religious sort of fervor. There's like a spiritual aspect. It's like something deep within their soul longs for the ancient intuitive way of knowing. And they're sort of, and this is the, you know, swapping Jesus sure. with Bigfoot conspiracy or whatever. Some people can take it to that level where it's almost like an idol that they worship, that the spiritual hole in their heart is filled with aliens or the big they that are destroying everybody or Bigfoot or whatever it is. And I think that that's a, it's kind of a, if, if it is, if it does belong, if Bigfoot does belong yeah. in the material realm, then it is not a spiritual way of knowing, <laughs> you know, there is no religion around is, Bigfoot. My, yeah. But my point is, is like, there's too much belief is just as bad as no belief. Right. So yeah. If, if, if you make conspiracy theories, your life or, you're just complete skeptical guy going about your life and you don't look into anything that doesn't fall into this very black and white way of looking yeah. at the world, then it's just as bad because there are people pulling the strings, doing things that affect us every day right. that we don't know about. It, it has to exist. If, it, if, if senators and presidents were warning us about it in the 50s, then God knows what it's like now. Right. And 
you can hear the quotes, you can read the quotes, you can listen to the presidents and the people saying, look, there's a power structure and it's out of our control. It's bigger than we realize. You've got to be careful. And then he's out of office. And that thing continues to go. And I'm just saying my ultimate understanding is to try to expose and and I, all I think is transparency. Right. And people don't realize that 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 there is a good motive at the end of it all. Sure. Like the, the more transparent things are, the less monopolies we have in our culture, the well, less it, the, the it, money is consolidated, the better it is for everybody. Sure. Well, it's funny it, because even if, here's the thing, is even if everybody was was totally, so even if all of our institutions were totally transparent and everybody could see everything that was going on, there is still something innate in the human soul that questions who is pulling the strings here? Where is authority? Who like, totally. who is in charge? And that will always come up with an answer, despite even having all the the bare bones uh, yeah, brass yeah, tax yeah, yeah. facts. There will always be I, a desire for this uncovering, and that's what I talk about: this religious fervor, this spiritual need that everyone's bankrupt of, and they're just it's being directed okay. in the physical realm okay. where it could be directed on, on more spiritual quests, let me like it, learning let me, about world religions or doing meditation or whatever. Like that would be, that would sate that desire for conspiracy. Let me throw it out this way. If you're back in the day, you were, you were saying at one point, I, I we might've talked about this, but it was like that we all have our gifts or whatever. And I don't, I don't think like prophets in the Bible actually like had some, vision of stuff coming down i think they were able just to go oh things have changed oh and and uh that country suddenly moved to this part of the region and uh you know what king david did something shady i'm gonna go call him out on it right Mm -hmm. there's there's certain people who can put together the pieces they just naturally can so he rolls in and goes hey man What'd you do? And he's like, I didn't do nothing. He's like, Yeah, right. I know what you did. Well, I mean, you that's essentially he doesn't. That's, he doesn't know. Like that's essentially factually. what congressional committees are for, and oversight committees, and the law, the judicial system. That's what they do. Is they hold people accountable to the law. And you know, back in the day, yeah, in, in, in ancient times, it was it was the religious leader, it was the prophet who came and said, Listen, you've screwed up. And now we have a structure that is imperfect, yes, but it is fun a functional structure where if someone has done something, they, you can level a charge against them and you can prove to them in the court of law that they are guilty of it. And, and for the most part, over the last few hundred years, it's been relatively effective. Yeah, I and mean, it, you know. Except for if you're black. <laughs> Well, yeah, there has been some. <laughs> so here's so, the thing: so some, there's, liberals there's believe some in liberals believe in liberal conservatism. They believe that. Or, sorry, not liberal yeah. conservative. They believe in liberal conspiracies that that a bunch right. of white dudes uh, eradicated uh, financial policies and laws to enslave black people into ghettos and all this different stuff. That's a conspiracy theory. It it is it is, but it's also yeah. Now here's the thing: I don't think that, and I believe um, that they did that. By I don't the way. think some clandestine room of of, of white guys just up and decided this. I think that's what you call a systemic evil. That's something that, and a systemic evil happens. The war on drugs, the war on drugs was specifically the president and a couple people trying to keep drugs 
and go after the poor black ghettos. well no so. what they were what they were responding to was a drug epidemic in america where america's kids were dying and they thought that if they changed the system to do an all-out assault from the justice system on on the drug trade that 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 would make things better and unfortunately because the system had its flaws um no i'm just talking about the blacks conspiracy, and minorities the conspiracy. blacks and minorities were more targeted and thus be, were put in jail for over decades and a massive injustice occurred but i don't think people decided oh let's jail blacks and minorities i don't think the majority of people involved no, what, 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 in the war the on drugs cons- would even think that way the liberal conspiracy theory is there was a lot of white dudes they were trying to kind of keep well keep and, and stay in a, power and here's the were- thing about systemic evil is that it occurs not when someone is is trying to do evil it occurs when people do not are not aware of the blind spots of their work and their policies so yes here's the problem white guys made the policy they were not aware that the policy was affecting and and then by the time they were aware maybe they were too defensive of their policy to really ratify the the situation and that is a form of racism i agree but i don't think a group of Klansmen in a room decided, oh, you know what we're, we're going to do? We're going to lock up all the minorities. They all thought that they were going to stop drugs from from infecting our children. Well, what I'm and saying they thought is that, that they were doing good. Okay, so the conspiracy theory is that's how it was sold to the people. What was actually right. happening, what was actually happening right. was... Sort but of I would a say there wasn't plan. there wasn't a centralized they. We don't know, dude. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if like twelve no, because, guys, be, twelve no, because, white guys were like, "Look, this is how we can kind of keep it." What no, I'm saying is, because it was systematic black people prejudice. and women and people of co- color were were complicit in the whole thing, thinking that they were doing the right thing, at at, at, at every level of government. And, and I would say you need diversity at the top so that people are are made aware of how communities are affected. And the problem is. We don't have diversity. And so good, well-intentioned white men make decisions that affect huge swaths of people that they have no awareness of. And that is the evil. It's not the evil that they planned. But they're always the evil that is. The reason they say they, this reason they say they, right, is because there's always sort of some consolidated power, right? Let's just throw out, I'll throw out a few conspiracies and all. There are are people at the top, yes. And I'm going to try to explain like why the they, right? Everyone working for, let's take the moon landing, for example. Everyone working for NASA didn't, wouldn't have known if they faked it. It would have been impossible to keep thousands of workers. What they can do is a couple guys can film all this stuff, and then, it, and then they just roll through with it. And then, they, and then any astronaut who wanted to speak out against it ended up dead. And there's lots of evidence to say some of them did end up dead. Wow, how? I don't know. Did it happen? I don't know. It could have happened. Hitler's death, for example. They used to use a lot of body doubles back in the day. Stalin used a body double. You know, they would send out these dudes in public and stuff, fear of getting assassinated. Hitler had a body double, blah, 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 blah. They say that most of the people who saw Hitler commit suicide were Germans, and then they brought out this body and either burned it or, or disposed of it. But no one really actually saw this so a couple guys said look we'll, we'll make up this little like fake thing that happens and then you can escape to venezuela or wherever the heck he went but do i believe that a couple guys conspired to try to get hitler out probably you know what i mean well, he, he probably he, tried I to survive don't, i just don't see 
in any way that Hitler, who was almost king of the world, you know, he had an unstoppable army. He was taking over Europe quite easily. He was effective. I mean, the engineering, just the precision. No, the, I, I mean, I, what I'm the, saying is that, that yes. well, I'm just saying, does he there's willingly no way, kill, kill himself? There's no, there's no way he runs away from that. The, the, a man of that level of pathology has to kill himself. Well, it just that's just what it is. I mean, there, you you think he hides out and he's like, oh, I'm finally safe after being after doing what he no, did no, and no, being no. Hitler. He, there's no way. I mean, it's it's. It's it's Walter White at the end. He might have, you know. No, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we don't. We've have seen any clue. that human story unfold. Well, here's the thing, and I'll take a step back because I don't want to get too much in the in the trenches with with the conspiracy theories. But I'll take a step back and say this: in the book I'm reading, these are just conspiracy with this, theories. With this, I'm not, I'm yeah, not with saying this, I agree with all of them. No, no, no. I know with this Gestalt therapist or whatever. She's talking about how um, how when the Indians come together and she uses the term Indians. I, I know some people could see that as pejorative, but I'm, I'm using her words. Um, she said, when, when Indian people come together to form an organization, no one talks about the organization. It is this natural nucleus and people who step up, step up and they just find a role. And if you have a role, you have a role. And if you have a role for one project, that could you could be sort of a leader in one project, and then the next project comes out, comes around, and you're not a leader in that. It's a sort of she calls it organismic organization. It's more organic in ways, and we have in the Western thought way of being um, uh, post enlightenment is this always top down structure, and this comes with our systems of reasoning and our systems of logic and our systematic theology this top-down structure of how we get things done and often the people at the top have no idea what's happening to the people at the bottom but that's the way that western culture has been structured that's the way all of our brains think that's the way everything's been structured and look at what we've done incredible things right yeah we've yeah, built yeah, all these yeah, cities yeah. and this infrastructure and it's and so it seems like it's working but then you have this organism the earth sort of crying out and going oh yeah that's not you cannot structure this you have to live in harmony with it oh yeah say what you want about global warming or or climate change or the fact that there's two hurricanes in a row harvey and now irma that's taken into the uh, the caribbean Definitely. these these kind of once in 500 year storms that are happening all the time it's like it's almost like you know you, you could say the earth is saying enough well a lot like, of people say what, that exxon is known you know for, exxon is known for 50 years what uh burning fossil fuels does to the earth and uh they hit all the data and that's a conspiracy theory but i would say that um <laughs> well, I mean, because success and progress business. equals the pro progress equals this is a rational way of thinking. Progress equals quarterly earnings. Okay, here's it equals it equals shareholders being happy. Okay, hear me. And it and it does not matter whether or not you're living in harmony with the biosphere. Let me <laughs> you know. Let me let me throw out some this this I'm gonna try to tie these two things together because that's what I do. But um this reminds me of the documentary of Chef's Table, right? If you're on Netflix, you can watch Chef's Table, and what I call it the uh, Planet Earth of food documentary. So, what? Here's a big theme about it, and this is this too. This is something I notice every time when a guy gets obsessed about making the best tasting food. Half of these dudes, what do they do? They start they go to the yeah. They start their they own forge. garden. 
They forage, yeah. They start their own garden. They, they, they go to the place, and then they get really meticulous about growing the foods that have Naturally. the tastes. Right. And they yeah. don't do anything like we do in Western culture. They don't build giant, huge skyscrapers of plants. Oh, it's amazing. You know I, mean? I used to think I hated tomatoes, right? Because all I'd ever get were the ones at Subway. Ones. Those wilted green tomatoes yeah. that are like not even yeah. ripe yet because they've been sprayed with CO2 to look ripe, but they're not ripe and they don't taste good. You're becoming and a I, hippie I every getting, day. I love it. Well, I mean... <laughs> I grew up, my my mom was a hippie and, and we, we ate a lot of natural food growing up. But yeah, then yeah, somewhere yeah. in my teen years, I just started eating Jack in the Box and, and that kind of went out the window. And we then when did. I went back to healthy food, it's like, you know, whatever, Subway was eat fresh. It was the least fresh food ever. And I remember kind of the first time Christy and I decided, <laughs> you know, Shit, that's the least <laughs> that's, that was their slogan. Yeah. <laughs> and it still is, I think. Um, the least fresh food in the world. But we 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 got this food box from like washington growers like organic um farmers in washington and they would deliver a food box and i would just pick things like off the thing i was like oh leeks parsnips what's that you know i just grab stuff because i could select it every thursday and deliver it on monday or whatever and that's what they do in the documentary they were walking through the garden and he's just picking up stuff yeah eating it and he's like well "Mm, it's amazing how the food is supposed to taste good and we've made it taste bad with all of our top down systems that humans make systems out of everything this this total western thought that we all just take for granted it's like oh we're making it better we're gonna feed the world we're gonna gmo this corn up we're gonna do all this stuff and then when you have organic food you know the ancient grain the way that it was supposed to be grown and made you go holy crap this is taste this tastes like candy like this tastes like Mm -hmm. like everything that you would want synthetically but it's natural and it's good for you and of course, this is, you know, a cliche now. People understand this. But at the same time, I'm going to all these farmer's markets around here. I go to this butcher and he does these really thick pork chops. And there's always like a pig hanging in the thing. And and I'm sorry if you're not a meat eater, but it was the best pork chop I've ever had in my life. And I like just I just salted it and seared it in a cast iron pan. Yeah, yeah. And it was amazing. And I was like, this is what and these pigs, you know, they, they have happy lives. They go around and root around and eat whatever. And that's why it tastes good. And it's like, well, weird when you partner with, in a way, when you don't try to just rape and pillage the earth and just set up these factories and these systems where you can have all these sick animals just churning over. When you can actually well respect the food and give give whatever so you're eating a good life in good soil, or you know, okay, and it just tastes better. So here's the here's the. Here's the extremes of things. So you have people who are just like, I'm on ketosis. I'm just going to eat meat. I don't care where it comes from. And Sam recently watched this documentary on Netflix called What the Health. Oh, I heard about that. I, I Right? <laughs> and, the, and the guy makes it. It's basically a vegan propaganda film. Right, right, right. But it has a lot of great points into it. And so the average person who would watch it, like say you watch a conspiracy documentary or a Bigfoot documentary would go, Oh, this is all horseshit. No, half of it is great. Half of that right. documentary is awesome. And then and then half of it is horseshit because I was re- <laughs> I was reading this. Someone posted um someone posted an article on on it. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's called What the What the Health The Ultimate Rebuttal. And uh you know on it they make natural um what are they called? Uh, nootropics. They make um that what's that stuff called? Alpha brain. Anyways. Yeah. It's yeah. it's um it's basically by the same guy who um, made cow has done cow, c- cowspiracy and Turlock, and he basically in in it in this 
what the hell if he alleges that eating eggs is as bad as smoking cigarettes and they basically go down to the data and they're like this is what he's referencing and we have no idea how he got to where he was (laughs) saying that so i love it because the internet allows for all this information and you don't have to take it face value i would say eating a confined gmo fed non-roaming chicken egg is probably not good for you but, well, they say but they if, say eating one egg is the equivalent of smoking five cigarettes in an effect on your life in its effect on your life expectancy. It's crazy. <laughs> like, all, yeah, I think one it's, egg. it's crazy, dudes. Like people in certain like the Eskimos would have been dead at like age 20. Oh, right. With just straight whale blubber. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> the fact that you need you, the, you need omegas, you need B vitamins, some of these things you can't get from plants. And um, right. it's all harmony. It's like we listen. It's like it's like the vegan podcast that we did already. She's like, "Look, I was vegan, and then I realized the only way to get good vegetables is to have animals pooping on the soil. That's the only way. Right. That they, that's the only way the soil gets better to have better vegetables. Do I believe that like ninety percent of your diet should probably be vegetables? Hell yeah, because right. it's really good for you. But a hundred percent and just completely disregarding." The fact that you need animals to make the soil healthy, even if you're a vegan, you need animals. Right. You can't just ca- you can't just cast them all away. It's like my brother makes this argument because he was a firefighter. He says the way that California manages its its forests is by doing nothing, and then it all burns down because they don't manage it. They don't go in and systematically take out the dead trees, clear the brush selectively harvest some of the trees so the young saplings can get some sunlight and come up and it makes the forest healthier. They just say, you can't go in the forest. And then right, it right. burns the hell down so right. fast. So And that's, and that's the, the world needs to be managed, it's, right? It, it, exactly. Managed, not systematized, and not lorded over with the level of control and authority that we currently yeah. have. And, and that's the thing is that the forest is managing itself. When it burns, when it burns, it's supposed to burn. Um, but, but the problem is we live there now. We have our houses in the hills and we can't have the forest burn and live. And so we have to manage that forest so there are controlled fires and so uh, they don't get out of hand and yeah, burn people. Yeah, yeah. And there's a way to do that that doesn't just say, don't touch the forest or cut the whole forest down there is sort of a partnership yeah um with with nature that we were we, we were talking a bit with with Lear keith where you partner alongside it and that's kind of maybe what the uh, the natives in our country were were more attuned to and had a completely different way of thinking about reality and processing facts than we do yeah yeah which we yeah. thought was you know, we regarded them as savages, ultimately, our ancestors did. <laughs> yeah. And then, even, you know, in the early 1900s to the 1950s, they, did, they were they they were assimilated and they were taught Western thought. And it's like, and there's all these quotes of people going, I still don't understand them. But like, the, but, I, but the I've, same been, thing I've been trying to train them up in the way of, of white people and they just don't seem to get it. Well, maybe they're, <laughs> but there were, maybe they're better off without it. Well, there were probably... There, just like everything else, there was probably a mixture of different Native Americans. Some of them were probably very much in harmony with the world, and some of them probably came into white cultures and shot them with arrows and killed them. And there wasn't, it wasn't an either or. It was sure, sure. I it mean, was more of a tr- a cultural tradition of understanding the world in a different way. And humans are always going to be humans. They're going to be violent, and they're going to be 
retributive, but, but, and that's all part of it. But there was a cultural sort of, yeah. I guess you could call it, um, uh, I don't know, there, there was a reverence for nature that we've sort of decided that we were going to trade the reverence for nature for a mastery of nature, that we could fix it. All the ills could be fixed with with, with like us a reverence kind of taking and a control versus uh you know this is going to do what i want it to do um, right well it's sort of like i am god versus i am not god so ultimately. what is so what he's saying in that documentary what the health is he shows you know how like confined animal feeding lots how they do it and how they like poke the 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 pus pours on the sides of the pig's legs and it's just oozing i mean pus. that's sad don't do don't buy that meat but what i'm you saying know? is like um, that doesn't mean you jump to veganism with blindly you know do your yeah, research yeah yeah but what i'm saying is like and i think the same thing goes for managing conspiracy theories i think people are so apt to say just be vegan don't even read the literature about conspiracy theories it's all bad for you it's stupid right and then then there's other people on the other side who are just all meat eaters who are like every conspiracy theory is true and we're all controlled by the illuminati but somewhere, <laughs> but somewhere in the middle, which Taylor Swift is now, by the way. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, her mind, her mind, <laughs> she has mind control, um, which is an alien technology. But uh, you know, so what I'm saying is, in the middle, we tend to have a hard time taking all the information in and going, "Oh, yeah, wow." You know, we have to manage the soil because the soil is the building block for healthy human life. Right. And, well, uh, it's so hard to be. It's so hard to be moderate, in especially in an age of like the pull of polarization is is there just politically, with religion versus science, right versus left, black versus but, white, yeah, police versus you know assailant, whatever. It's just everyone's just saying draw. You know, they draw the line and they say now choose your side. And it's like well maybe I maybe I maybe there's a there in between between could. What is it? Ketogenics or ke- ketosis? ketosis? Yeah, yeah. Between keto yeah. and vegan, there's got to be a line somewhere in there that's a little na- more natural. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and, and 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 depending on your blood type, I've read, and depending on your your genetics, you can. Some people can handle a lot more meat than others. Um, it really, it really, a lot of it depends on kind your of DNA. What, yeah, yeah. A lot you of think things. the future is like. Do you think the future is now? Here's the thing. I th- I thought about this, and I was telling I was talking with Matt Carter about this a bit. I have this Fitbit on my wrist, and it tells me, you know, how how many hours I slept and and what deep cycle I was in, and how many steps, and what my blood, uh, you know, what yeah. my um my BPM is um BPM is it beats per minute? I don't know. That's a musical term. Yeah, but anyways, so. it tells me all this information, and I just imagine in the future that doctors will be more like statistical analysis people. Like you'll go into the doctor, and instead of them trying to diagnose you in fifteen minutes, they can pull this thing off your wrist or wherever it will it's already be inserted. Here. It's already here. <laughs> and they will and they will look at your chart from the last six months and say, okay, this is what's you think you're getting good sleep, but you're not. Take this, or you think you're well, that's, getting that's exercise, what, that's what but 20, you're not. That's basically what twenty three and Me is. If you get your genetical, um, right? If you get your, if you get your, it's like a fifteen megabyte packet of your genetic, yeah. and then the doctor can read all the numbers to you and say, oh, you suck at caffeine metabolism, yeah. or you, or you're, yeah. you're really good. At, you're 
you know, at this and that. And exactly. They can already exactly. do it. Like, as, DNA, yeah. as DNA science ad- advances, then everybody will have their own DNA, their g- genetic mapping, and it'll be on their arm and it will remind them certain things. And like, you just imagine like people will be, I mean, this is, this is me sort of praising, I don't know, there's probably some scary aspect to it that, that paranoid people are worried about, but praising science in a way of going, once people understand that there isn't just one way to live in the world, there's a unique way for you that is the best way, uh, and they have the ability to see that data, and then analyze it, and then respond to it, and experience the benefits of it, I mean, that's the beauty of science, that's, that's why it works, you know, and... <laughs> But I maybe, think I think they all will connect in the end, you know, but maybe, it's not just science versus something else. It's, you know, science will ultimately unveil the truth of what your diet needs to be. Sometimes science lacks color, in my opinion, though, because it comes from such a westernized way of looking at everything. Um, yeah, but, I mean, there's but, homeopathic but I and naturopathic, I get it. you know, medicine and those medicines are kind of taken off again in a way. But, but but I think they use science too because part of the, part of the, part of the problem and this is something I would argue is that the dollar wins every time. So if you don't think that pharmaceutical industries have influenced the way the education works within doctors and and, and then you're crazy. Oh, absolutely. Like they absolutely. they know medicine, they don't know nutrition, and that's something that was really really that was something that was really really good about the what the health documentary. He's like he's like you know look at how many nutrition courses the average doctor takes. Two, right. two, one. They take eight right. years of medical. They understand how medicines work, but they don't understand anything about how nutrition works, and that's sad. And that's well, that's I mean, influence the average, from the from the businesses. The average what pediatrician or the average specialist? I mean, I would imagine that someone who is a doctor of your gastrointestinal tract, your GI tract, would know about. Uh, bacteria and microbes and and balancing your gut and and nutrition and and the role that that plays in your whole gi tract i would imagine a specialist in that area but maybe it's more i don't know maybe it's a general a general practitioner doesn't really get that perhaps because they're not they're not really putting people on diet dietary plans they're just writing prescriptions speaking of greek theaters hippocrates said this in 400 you know like uh, or even probably earlier that you know all disease begins in the gut and then now we have scientists coming out and saying yeah, yeah. all disease begins in well, the gut and we, that's I, what all the all the philosophers love to say science is coming around to understanding what philosophy but, is all, always known but maybe maybe <laughs> to put a visual on this and then we could probably wrap it up because we're almost at an hour but um cool what I think I hear you saying is that, and what I think I kind of put my own twist on it, is you, you start out a culinary chef, and you start eating foods, and you start getting good at creating dishes and making food taste great. You're naturally doing something that I think is phenomenal, is you're working backwards. You're finding right. out, okay, where do we get the fish from? Oh, it starts with the ingredients. And, yeah. and then, and then who's, where is it? Where's the, what are the fish eating? And then it goes all the way back to yeah. the soil, right? Right. Versus, I right. think what you were trying to say earlier is the Native Americans started at the soil. Right. They didn't work their way back to it. They started there. And then, so everything from life made more sense because they started from the origin of what gives life, which is the right. ground. So, Westerners, I think. When we really get into something, and food comes from the ground, so it's easiest to get back to the soil when you're a chef right. or you're in the, or you're obsessed about quality of taste. And so 
you know, versus the average person who works in, um, unless you get really interested in paper and you're, a, and you're Michael Scott and you're a paper salesman and you go back to trees or whatever, right? <laughs> like, right. it's really hard to get back to the root of what it is and why it is you're yeah. doing. It, 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 but if you're living off the land, if you're kind of somebody who's sort of, uh, sort of ancient homesteader, then everything is, 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 Sure. Originates from there, so that that's that's my thought. That's my that's why I think the Westerners have a hard time. It's because we don't start from the source. We, no, no, no. Yeah, we start confined in entertainment, um, Taco Bell, coddled in, indoors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I'm trying to get out of a little bit. You know, living living in the country in this. Yeah, old, dude. Old farmhouse. What do they call them? Value, so, value. What are the what are the kids' meals at McDonald's called? V- Happy meals. Happy meals. Don't don't even yeah. know what they're called. See. Yeah, but. I feel like Fight Club was a good critique of of all of this, dude. That and yet, that and, yet and yet even that and yet even that the kids don't understand because they've never seen the movie because it was came out before they were born. They will. They will. They will be. Who's Brad Pitt? That old guy. Yeah, they will because <laughs> because in like ten years when every single film is a superhero film. <laughs> and they're just ti- and they're just tired of it. They're gonna go back right. to the goods. So it's like Superman we can eighteen. Only yeah, exactly. But anyway, they're um, gonna have to start making more obscure Marvel characters to make movies out of. Exactly. Well, any, any um, patrons right. out there? I'm gonna be on tour next month with Sherwood. Beautiful. At the end of where October, you, where are you gonna be? Starting in Nashville. And then we're going to. I need to probably. We should probably just release this out to our general audience too. Yeah, let's do that. Why not? And um, starting in Nashville, then going to St. Louis, then Oklahoma City, Kansas City, Chicago, Detroit, Akron, Ohio. Oh, right up the middle. Yeah. Sherwood does the Bible Belt. Does the does does the middle? We do it right in the middle. <laughs> And then love it. And then we go down to Cincinnati. That's it. But so yeah, so. sweet. Where can they find tickets if they want them? Sherwoodmusic.net. You can come out and talk to me about conspiracy theories, Bigfoot, or trolls, trolls talks, whatever you want to talk about. What do you, uh, do you guys? Are you guys doing VIP? We are doing a VIP. Um, what does that get me? That gets you acoustic set, like three songs off a different light that we're not playing live. That gets you some photos, some hang time. Uh, you can we'll sign anything you want. Will there be drinks available? <laughs> Knowing Dan, you should work Dan on that. Coke, he'll you probably should. bring he'll probably bring something. <laughs> Good old Dan Coke. All right, well, he's cool. All, he's all well, about yeah. the alcoholic beverages. So when is that? When does that start? October eighteenth. It's a Wednesday October, night in Nashville. October eighteenth in Nashville. You heard it first. Get your tickets now. I'm sure they're going so fast. Oh man, what's it? Sherwoodmusic.net. Sherwoodmusic.net. Got it. All right, guys. All right. Thanks for listening to another Troll Talk. This is our 16th. We've been having a good summer over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. If you want to check the rest of them out, you can go there and pledge at least a dollar a month. Or I think you could probably even do 50 cents a month and listen to all the bonus content. 50 cents. Thanks are for listening, lowering, everybody. Are you lowering it down now? Jeez. Okay. Five bucks a month. Five bucks a gets month. you bonus content because matt is now buying grass-fed pork so he needs a little bit more (laughs) and it's it's in canada it's more expensive up here yeah it is (laughs) all right thanks guys see ya